following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Uh, I don't know if I can still say Merry Christmas or not, but Merry Christmas. We are, uh, our, our little family is going to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas because we weren't able to gather with our family, so... Uh, as soon as our quarantine is over, we're going to make sure that we're, we're doing that. So, uh, In case you're curious about the 12 days of Christmas, it's the 12 days between December 25th and uh, January 9th. Check my math of not 9th. That's Third. Right. Third. Well, it's between Christmas and Epiphany is what those 12 days of Christmas was really about. So, <clears throat> But I'm not here to talk about that this morning. We're going to return to Mark's Gospel and look at chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. And uh, this, this particular text is another example of how Mark's Gospel is arranged strategically and not necessarily chronologically. Um, what I mean is that uh, verse 1 clearly states that it was two days before the Passover, but verses 3 through 9 uh, take place six days before the Passover, according to John's Gospel. So um, this isn't a disagreement between Gospel accounts. Mark simply sets it up as a contrast um, between love and hate, of between worship and betrayal of the Lord Jesus. So... Um, Let's look at that text this morning and try to discover what it is that the Lord wants to show us. So, Mark 14, starting at verse 1. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, said to the chief priests, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Let's pray. Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we do pray that your spirit would speak. 
that you would show us the truth. For we know these words are your words. We pray that they would not return to you empty, but would have the effect that you intended for them to have on each of us this morning. God, we just, we give you permission to change us, to remake us and mold us into the image of Christ as a result of spending time in your word. And we pray that you would do all this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we have a lovely sandwich with a lot of love between two slices of hate. Mmm, delicious. Well, chief priests and the scribes wanted very much to destroy Jesus because they were jealous of his influence. They, they, uh, they resented the fact that people were flocking to, to him instead of to them. Uh, and in their jealousy, they're trying to devise a way to get rid of Jesus um, without attracting too much attention from the people. This is why they wanted to wait until after the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover. Because there were upwards of like 2 million people in the city of Jerusalem at that time. And Jesus had attracted a lot of attention. And if they were to just go grab him from the temple and arrest him, that would cause a, a riot among the people that were listening to him and following him. But if they waited until after the feast was over, after all the pilgrims had gone home, uh, it would be like coming to Ossipi in November as opposed to July, because there's nobody around, right? So it would be a lot easier and cause a lot less problems for them. And Judas decided that he would be the instrument of the chief priest's plan to arrest Jesus in secret, as we see in verses 10 and 11. What I love about this is, although I, I hate that this happened to the Lord Jesus, of course it's a horrible thing in our in our eyes, with a, with wonderful blessings um, as a result. But I do like the fact that God still messed up this this the um, the timing of this plot. Um, the, the timing didn't go according to their plan, um, and we'll see that in the rest of the chapter. They wanted everything to happen after, so it wouldn't take anybody's uh, wouldn't get a lot of attention, but that's not how it happens at all. Um, and, we're, and I'm grateful for that. So just a little stick it to the scribes and Pharisees there. But instead of focusing on the two slices of hate in this sandwich, I'd like to look more closely at the love in the middle, because there's a lot for us to learn there. So look at verse 3. And while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now, as a preacher, I have to admit there is a great temptation uh, to go into painful detail <laughs> about what, what pure nard is and where it comes from, not to mention the alabaster flask uh, that it was in, and, and what was involved in, in breaking the flask, and so on, and on, and on, and on. 
And uh, it's been said that many pastors have spent uh, more than half their sermon just talking about that to no avail at all, because that's not what's important. I've even seen these alabaster flasks when I was in the Holy Land. Um, it's It's all very fascinating. And you can look into it yourself. Uh, just Google it. Right. The only important detail is right in front of our faces, <clears throat> and we can see it there in verse 3, that the ointment that the woman poured on Jesus' head was very costly. That's all that matters. It was very costly. She broke the flask and poured it over Jesus' head. Uh, also, there's no real significance in her breaking the flask as opposed to just opening it. Um, as if she smashed it on the floor in order to get every every drop of ointment out of it uh, to pour over Jesus' head. Um, or that breaking the flask open meant that she didn't save any. Uh, she was pouring her all out for the Lord. Uh, that's uh, not the case here. Breaking an alabaster flask was how you opened it. That's the normal way of getting its contents out. It's a one-shot deal. Alabaster flasks have long skinny neck, um, and it's made to look like a vial that you can pull the top off, but the top doesn't come off. It's all one piece. It's carved out of stone. Alabaster is a stone. And they're designed to have the skinny neck broken off and the contents poured out. It's a one-shot deal. This is normal, totally normal. Again, the only important detail is that it was very costly. This woman, um, Mark doesn't name her, but John's Gospel does. Uh, It reveals that this woman was Mary, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Uh, And in her great love for the Lord, she anointed his head with this very costly ointment. She knew the value of the ointment. Everybody did. Everybody knew what this stuff was. Though it didn't come from their area, they knew what it was. She also knew that she loved the Lord, and she was inspired to act in this extravagant way. But she also knew that he was worth it, that he deserved her gift. What she didn't know was what would happen next. She didn't anticipate the disciples' response, which, from our perspective, I think, and in our study in Mark so far, is a little predictable, because these bunch of dopes don't ever seem to see things the way Jesus sees them, even after all this time. She also didn't know just how significant this anointing would be and how lasting its effects would be. So this woman comes and gives a very costly gift. And it's much like the poor widow who came and gave her two copper coins, all she had to live on, and put it in the treasury. This this was a beautiful act of devotion and sacrifice. This uh, We can only speculate what the significance of the ointment was to her. We could, um, it may have been her dowry, um, uh, maybe it, her inheritance. Uh, either way, it was a significant act of devotion and sacrifice to the Savior. And the disciples, uh, John tells us they were led by Judas, obviously react 
and praise her act of devotion and love, right? Oh, good job, Mary. <laughs> not, not at all. Nope. Verse 4 says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, this is Judas, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii given to the poor, and they scolded her. All they saw was a year's wages just dumped on the floor. What possible good could come from that? Matthew records the words, Why this waste? Of course, we know that Judas cared nothing for the poor. Judas was the keeper of the money bag uh, and would often help himself to it. And the other disciples were, at the moment, swayed by his words and scolded her for her act of devotion to the Lord. I'm sure Judas wouldn't mind another year's salary in that bag uh, for him to help himself to. And unfortunately, <clears throat> this wouldn't be the last time in the history of the church that greed was masked by piety. Although, also, the disciples did what we also often do in rushing to judgment before consulting the Lord. All they did was react. Oh no, what have you done? They didn't ask Jesus' opinion on it. They could have waited to hear the Lord's word on Mary's act of worship just to see what he would say. That would have been the right thing to do. Instead, instead of listening to Jesus, they listened to Judas. I'm sure that's an act they live to regret. But fortunately, Jesus comes to the woman's defense, to Mary's defense, and he rebukes his disciples regardless of what their true intent was. In verse 6, But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. This great act of devotion and sacrifice was a beautiful thing. More beautiful, I think, than we often give it credit for. Um, smell is a sense we often take for granted. <laughs> uh, just ask Caroline. She can't smell or taste anything right now. Um, but our sense of smell is strongly attached to our memories and truly serves to enrich our experiences. Now, when it comes to Christmas time, I always think of my grandma and grandpa's house. And I can smell it. And it brings me joy. <clears throat> now, there are parts of the world uh, that 
that don't see hygiene through the same lens as we do here in America. Um, Egypt, even today, has a very distinct odor everywhere you go. It's the pervasive smell of B.O. I'm sorry. I've been inside the Great Pyramids of Giza, and what enriches that memory for me, walking up that long ramp into the, into the burial chamber, is the smell. I smell a giant stone armpit. It, it just it was, was awful. Now, rewind 2,000 years, okay? That's what it smelled like in 1997, okay? Rewind 2,000 years, a long time before ivory soap was invented. There's no Old Spice, no Chanel Number no. 5, no Axe Body Spray. It's a hot climate and a lot of people close together. Need I say more? Uh, I don't think we think about that <laughs> when we think of these um, times and places. And in the midst of all of that, Mary anoints Jesus with this very costly ointment, and the beautiful smell of that perfume filled the room. It not only filled that room that day, but it would linger and stay with him. It didn't just wash off and go away. That fragrance would reach even the noses of the Roman soldiers as they nailed him to the cross. It followed Jesus all the way into the borrowed tomb. Mary anointed his body beforehand for burial. And it was a beautiful thing. And just in reading this account and considering these words, we're fulfilling Jesus' prophecy that whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Here we are, fulfilling that prophecy again. And it will continue. So what's our lesson here? Is our lesson that we should neglect the poor in order to worship Jesus? No. He did say that the poor will always be with you, and you can do good to them whenever you want. Jesus' point was not to choose him over them, but rather to choose not always over always. You will always have them, you will not always have me. Sometimes the Lord will inspire us to perform great acts of devotion and sacrifice. Sometimes he will inspire us to do little things that go a long way. Mary did what she could out of faith and love, and it was a beautiful thing. I think we should follow her example and do what we can out of faith and love devotion to the Lord. I think that would be a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example that uh, Mary has set for us. An act of beautiful devotion and worship. The cost didn't, uh, didn't keep her from giving her gift to doing all she could to do a beautiful thing to the Lord. I pray, Father, that we would consider everything that we have 
belongs to you already. I pray that if we that that you would help us to see things like that, that we too could offer things up in worship to you, regardless of their cost, because you are worth it. Father, I thank you for your great gift to us by sending your Son taking on flesh, taking on the form of a servant and being obedient to death on a cross for us in our place. Thank you for the good news that regardless of our sin, you loved us anyway. While we were still your enemies, you died for us so that we might be forgiven and reunited to you, adopted into your family, and can call your kingdom our home. Father, we thank you for this word this morning, a short but powerful word. We would see all things as yours, even our very lives. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.